You're listening to a sermon of Meadowbrook Church in Ocala, Florida. For more media resources, visit us online at www.nbcocala.com. We started a new uh, series last week uh, called Main Things. Everybody say Main Things. And the main thing is to keep the main thing, main thing. And as you, as you see up on the screen right there, what we're doing is we're unpacking the Meadowbrook Mandate. If you do not have this book, get this book. It's free. Uh, there's no conflict of interest at all because we want to just get this in your hand. This is what we feel God has called us to do. Four things, the Lord high and lifted up the church growing and maturing the world that, that we would be salt and light, that we would take Christ into culture and the fourth, the poor local and global. And we have some things some mandates from God, what we're to be doing. And this is, uh, we put it in a book so that you can get that and go and learn this. And it's an easy read. And, um, I wrote it. It's an easy read. Um, and, uh, but it's super important, very important. So get, a, get a hold of that. We're unpacking that mandate. What all does that mean? And we've got to keep it in front of us. And, uh, really a mandate has to do with some things that are urgent and important and must be done. And so it certainly connects with the whole idea of main things. Last week we began talking about main things and we began in the, the 10 commandments. How many of you have ever heard of those? And, uh, in essence, if you'll take care of the first two or three right there, you'll take care of the rest. If you take care of the root issues, you'll take care of the fruit issues. If you're having trouble in the fruit issues, probably, well, guaranteed you're having problems in the root issues and the root of the whole deal is this. And let's just boil it down in the simplest form that we can to the main thing. Everybody say the main thing. This is the main thing is that you have one God. And not one that you make up, not one that you carve, not one that you buy, not that somebody else has. One God, the one true God, the creator, the redeemer, the alpha, the omega, the one who delivered us out of Egypt, the one who will see us all the way through, the one, the true, the living Jehovah God. One God, that you have one God and you only worship him. That's the main thing. If you don't have that together, the rest of life is going to be a little bit out of order. It's not going to work right. You've got to get first things first, main things, main things. And one God, everybody say it, one God, one God, and you only worship him. You only worship him. That's the main thing. Now, we want to move on from that just a little bit and look at a, a, a couple other things. So let me go ahead and put this up here because it's going to tie in with where we're going today. And that is that we have one God and he's first place and we worship him. And when we worship him, it means that we he receives honor and glory. He's the most important. We're dedicated. We're committed. It's a consistent thing, not a perfect thing, but a, a consistent thing. And it involves sacrifice. All worship involves sacrifice. And that means that our time, our energy, our resources, our, our finances, our gifts, our, our skills, that we, we give those for him to use. One God and you serve him only. And you know what? And there needs to be a little oomph with that as we, as we serve this God. Amen. Now I want to move on and I'm going to ask a few questions, not for you to answer so much. I'm going to answer them as we go along, but it's to get us to, to think adults learn on a need to know be, uh, basis. You know, if we don't think we need to know it, we're not going to pay attention and you need to know this. 
I said, y'all need to know this. So the questions help us to see why we, we need to know some things. Here's a question I want to ask you. What is, okay, one God, worship him only. But now, what am I to do after that? What, what do I do with that? What is my primary purpose? What is my primary mission in life, so to speak? And l- let me go ahead and tell you what it is. And then we're going to kind of fill all of this in. It's to bring him glory. Now, that sounds real good and religious. One God, worship him only, bring him glory. And you know what? Most people will walk out and be happy with that answer and it will not produce any kind of life change. So one God, you worship him only. And our primary mission is to bring him glory. Okay. Whether whether you're doing it or not, you know, that's what we're to do here. Okay. Now. First Corinthians 10 31. Let's just build a basis here. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, help me read the next part. Do all to the, to the glory of God. Romans eleven thirty six new living translation for everything comes from him and exists by his power. Watch this and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. Isaiah 43, verse 7. This is, these are just a few out of a bunch of scriptures. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory. I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. The Westminster Shorter Catechism has as a part of it this statement that we're familiar with. Man's chief end is to glorify God. Man's chief end, our primary mission in life, our primary goal, our purpose is to bring glory to God. Could I just get an amen? That means yes, so be it. All right. So the next question to kind of prompt our thinking is, don't answer it yet. Well, how do I do that? How do I do that? Because listen, spiritual knowledge without practical application is ignorance. Just a waste of time. We just know a bunch of stuff and we don't know how to apply it. There'll be no life change. So what do I do about this? Do I just walk out of here with some religious terms? One God, worship him only, purpose in life, bring him glory. We got to find out what does that mean? How do we do that? So the question is, how do I bring glory? How do I glorify God? I say, let's go to our best example, our best source, our best example, and that would be Jesus. So how did Jesus, because we see over and over through scripture that Jesus glorified the father. Jesus told the father, I've glorified you. The father even said on a number of occasions, you brought me glory. You've glorified me. That, that was his purpose as well. So let's go ahead and see what Jesus did in John. This is one way, one of the main ways that Jesus glorified God. John 17 verse four in the new living. Jesus said this, I brought glory to you here on earth. Look at it carefully by completing the work you gave me to do. I brought glory. So Jesus brought glory to God. How? Because God gave him something to do. And he did what God called him to do. And that brought glory to God. Are you with me so far? Okay. What was it that God gave him to do? And Jesus had a number of purposes. But this is one of the main things. What's our series? Main things. This is one of the main things that God gave Jesus to do. Jesus gave glory to God by doing the thing that God gave him to do. Now, let me stop real quick here before I get into this. Every one of you have gifts, talents, abilities, time, touch, treasure, time, talent, touch, treasure, all those things and more. 
Some of you, brain surgeon, hairdresser, mechanic, stay-at-home mom, retired, waiting for your big break. (laughs) Whatever it would be, you have things that you can do and you can do some specific, incredible things for God. Uh, You have to think of the body. I was teaching this a little bit at new members class last week. We have to think body. We're in the body of Christ. And notice that in the body, it says in in, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, it says there are many different uh, aspects of the body, just like your body. The body is not all one member. It's not all the same thing. It said, what if the whole body, scripture says this, what if the whole body were an eye? Well, then we would be just this big thing that could see and roll around and get sand in our eye and not any way to help ourselves. So it's not good that we're all the same thing. There's diversity. There's all of us have different gifts and talents and abilities and, and things that God has given us to do. But there's also some universal things that God has given all of us that we are to do. And that's where I'm kind of focusing in on this today. So what was it? What was the work? What was the mission that the father gave Jesus to do that Jesus did? And it brought glory to God. And here it is in Luke 19 verse 10. Look at this carefully. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. I want to read it again. For the son of man has come. Read this part with me. To seek and to save that which was lost. Well, folks, here's the deal. His mission is our mission. His mission is our mission. Speaking of mission, reminds me of Space Mountain. How many of you have been on Space Mountain? All right. There is a point of no return there that you wait in the long lines. And then there's one little spot. Some of y'all faint of heart know where it's at, where you can now get off the ride before you get in your little capsule and are catapulted into deep space. That's where I go. I'm not on a roller coaster. I'm out there, baby. Okay. It's up to you how hard you play. Okay. Well, we're kind of at that spot right now where you're going to ride the ride. We're going to go all the way through. Are you you're going to get off right here? Because I'm going to tell you what, this, this is the main thing. And this will change our lives and this will change your life. And this will change our church. And this will change the kingdom of God. And this will change our families. And this will change our workplaces. And this will change this community. So you're going to ride the ride? We're going all the way through? His mission is our mission. And... Jesus was sent to the father. The father gave him something to do, seeking to save that which was lost. And let's just see this here in John 17, verse 18. Jesus said this, just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. John 21, verse 20, uh, 20, verse 21. Again, he said, peace be with you as the father has sent me. Say it. So I am sending you. His mission is our mission. His mission is our mission. Say it. His mission is our mission. Let's make it this way. His mission is my mission. His mission is my mission. And if you and I as a bottom line main thing are going to bring glory to God, then we're going to have to do 
the work that God has given us to do. And it's the same work that Jesus had. Yes, there are other aspects of it, but this is one of the main things that we've got to make sure that we embrace this and we ride this all the way through here. In in Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. What's the next word? Right there. Right, right there. I could be a weather guy. What is it? Go. You'll never forget. Go now, will you? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. That's called the Great Commission. And so you'll know this. The Great Commission has not yet expired. And it is still a commission for us. It is a main thing that you and I are to be involved in. Main thing to glorify him, complete the work that he gave us to do. His mission is our mission. And this now, if we embrace this, this will, this will define and redefine. This will determine how we live life and how we do church is by accepting this as our mission. He is the head over all things to the church. He's the founder. I think we should do what the founder wanted done. I think we should fulfill his mission. And that's what he's given us to do. And it involves seeking and saving that which is lost. Now, earlier in the Westminster Catechism, man's chief end is to glorify God. That word end, we're familiar with that. Let's, let's kind of put this together a little bit. You have a means and you have an end. So you've heard the, the saying, by all means, or uh, whatever means necessary or to this end. Uh, there are a number of things that we understand. Their means has to do with the method. It has to do with activity. It has to do with a, a system. It's almost like a, a factory. It's, it's like this big conveyor belt thing. And you do things. There's activity. There's, there's motion. There's systems. And the end then is the product. This is what we're trying to come up with. And you do all of this, the means, so that you can have the end. Now, follow me on this. So you do these things so that we can have this. Let's say that you got hired on at the factory and the factory makes these check boxes. Not just any check box, the best ones, highest quality. This is the benchmark right there. That's what we do. Well, when you get hired and you come in, that's what you're all about. Show me my job. Your job is to put a bolt in it. And so you do that. And for a while, you're aware of your end. I'm putting a bolt in this thing so that we can have the world's greatest high quality check boxes. And you keep an eye on that. But then you get around other people and they've been there for a while. And so they're saying, hang in there, man. Break's coming in just a half hour. So you get your idea off of just putting the bolt in and the end result, the end, the check box or whatever we want to call it. And you start thinking toward the break. And you think that the break is a bigger part of the process. The break might even be what we're doing this for. You know, you've heard people say, I'm living for the weekend. You know, that's their end. 
That's what they're after. Or I just can't wait for work to be over. And and then we start thinking, okay, hey, they said I was going to get paid. I wonder how much I get paid. And when do I get paid? And after a while, this is what happens. You're putting the bolt in and they're making check boxes, but you don't care as much anymore because now it's become more about when do we get a break and when do I get paid? And so the result is this ends up maybe blurred, maybe not even the picture anymore for you. And going to work has become this. And I'm just using this as an analogy. Going to work is just about, I just need to check and I hope we get lots of breaks today. Now let's bring that over into Christianity. Let's bring that over into the kingdom of God here. And we've got to watch this because sometimes what you need is what's called an end means reversion. It means we've got to revert back to something. And what you do is you clarify this again. Church, this is what we're doing this morning. We're clarifying what is this end? What is this thing that we're after? What is the outcome, the product that we're after? And when you clarify this, then you go back and you adjust this, your methods and your mindset. You come back to this so that we can really reach this. We clarify the end so that we can adjust the means and and get the the end that we're after. Are Are you following that? Now, sometimes as Christians... As believers, as individuals, and even as a, as a ministry, as a church, sometimes we might be in need of some end means reversion. That we need this clarified again so that we can come back and maybe we need to adjust some things. And I'm going to get a little rough here just, just for a few moments. Don't worry, I'm not going to cuss. But this drift can happen, this, this blur can happen And let me just ask you, all these things that we do as Christians, as believers, I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to pray. I go to church. I give some money. I do this. I do that. I do that. I got a Jesus t-shirt. I even have some special Jesus candles. I listen to Christian radio. I do all these things. And we do all of this and we do all of this and we do all of this. And you know what? This is the end. This is the product that a lot of people are thinking. You ready? So I can be a better Christian. So I can be a better Christian. How many of you know being a better Christian is a good thing? But that's not the end result. This stinks out loud if the only purpose for us to get your tail out of bed in the morning and read the Bible and pray and seek the one God that, you know, I'm supposed to only worship him. I'm going to go to church and give some money. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that and do that. And I'm going to read so that I can become a better Christian. I'm going to worship so I can become a better Christian. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be at church. I'm going to join that class. I'm going to be in disciple you so I can become a better Christian. Give me a break if that's the end result. Now that should be one of the results. We should be growing in God. We should be having spiritual progress all the time. Other people, their end result is it's just so I can be happy. Just so I can feel a little better. And you know what? If that's the end of it all, then, then stop. I want, I want to get out. I want to get out. There, there's much more to this. There's much more to this. That's not bringing glory to God in itself. There's a means unto an end. We'll feel better. We'll get happy. We'll get some help. We become a better, stronger Christian for the end. 
which is his message, which is his mission. It's to seek and to save that which is lost. Are y'all hearing me? It's to expand the kingdom. It's to help others that were once you once were lost. Were you once lost? And it's so that we all can get in on this. The end result is not so we can get all together and just do a little worship thing and see how excited or emotional we can be. Or, you know, I want to prophesy. No, I want to prophesy. And, you know, and, what, and whatever it would be, we get all confused on this. Listen, the whole goal. Yes, become a better Christian, stronger Christian. Get yourself squared away. God will help you. You actually can be happy in God. And you can get help for stuff. And we're not exempt from anything. We have stuff hit us. Oh my goodness, left field, boom. But I said it earlier, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. And he never leaves us and he never forsakes us. But is the end result of all of that? And that's awesome. That's amazing. But that's so that we actually believe in the product. That we actually believe this is for somebody else too. Not just this holy huddle where we come together. Jesus loves us. Mostly me and you. We've got to get clarity about the end. Get clarity about the end. And then we've got to make some adjustments. Even if they're just mental shifts. Ah, this is what that's about. So that we can get to the end there. It's how to glorify him, which is the end. And the mission, his mission. It's the means is our mission. The Lord put something in my heart this week as I was preparing and he put it in my heart and I know it was him. I didn't hear anything with my ear. It was just strong in my heart and strong in my thoughts. How many of you know kind of what I'm talking about? You've had that. And I just knew it was him. And it was like a question in the middle of my preparation on this and kind of in the form of a question. And again, a question gets us to, to think. And so this was kind of it. Which bothers you most? Don't answer this. Which bothers you more? When people are sinning and doing bad things? Doesn't that bug you? Come on, doesn't that bug you? I know I told you don't answer, but doesn't that, doesn't that, uh, y'all are so obedient. Does that bother you more or does it bother you that they're lost and hurting? Because see, sometimes we can get really ticked. Come on. Sometimes we go places and we got our children and, and there's sinners there and they're sinning. Or you turn on the TV or whatever it would be. Guess what? How many of you know sinners sin? How many of you know believers sin? But see, sometimes we can get smug and self-righteous and we're just at the factory here and it's all about me being a better Christian. And we lose sight of some things and we get aggravated because sinners, there's people are doing wrong things. Can't they see they're doing this and they're doing that? That's wrong. And, and we see that and that, that bothers us. But we've got to look a little bit further. And this is what God is asking us to do. We've got to, we've got to look, look a little bit further. Does that bother you more or does it bother you that maybe they're lost? Maybe they're in the wrong place. Maybe they're going in the wrong direction. Maybe they couldn't see. Maybe somebody hurt them. I'm going to tell you a story. I didn't ask permission for my son yet. I didn't get a chance. But we had a cat named Bob. 
Not to be confused with Kiki, queen of the Lanai, if you were here Wednesday, okay? And there are continuing sagas of Bob, and I don't have time to go into them, but this, this one thing I've got to share with you. And although parts of this sound, may sound humorous, this is not humorous at all. We had this cat, beautiful cat, Stray, came up, kind of broke the human code with him, started feeding him, fattening him up, beautiful animal. December 23rd, we'd had him for a couple months. He comes walking up the driveway. We'd come home from somewhere, finishing up Christmas things, and he's not using one leg. And so my wife had to go off and do some other things. So Joshua and I, we said, let's take him to the vet. So I called the vet, and they said, sure, we're open. Come on out. We loaded him up. We took him out to the, to the vet, and they said he'd been in a fight. He had some kind of little puncture and some scratches and stuff, and they said and cats get infection real quick. And so they gave him some shots and some stuff, and, and he just was just perfect for them. So we're leaving the vet's office and I go ahead of Joshua. Joshua is carrying the the cat, Bob. And I go ahead to open up the door of the car so that he can get in because he's carrying the animal. About the time I get the door open, I see Josh running. And ahead of him is the cat. And he's running. Let me tell you the first thought that crossed my mind. You ready for this? Can't you hold a cat now follow me. And I'm mad. I thought, can't even hold a cat. I take off running. I eventually catch up with Josh. And before I can ask him this, this question, he turns to me in his arm. He's totally just sliced. And he's bleeding. My question no longer is, can't you hold a cat? It's like, oh my goodness. And now I transfer it all to the cat. Stupid cat. <laughs> so we chase around. We finally catch him. And I've got him. And I'm saying, you just, so dumb. Why do this? And I'm, I'm carrying him back to the car because I'm a much better cat carrier. <laughs> as soon as I got back up to the parking lot, and incidentally, the vet's office is right by a highway. The thing that spooked him in the first place spooked him again. And now myself, who had judged my son and the cat. My son, who ended up bleeding, and the cat, who was frightened. Now within seconds, I myself, who judged them both, am bleeding and frightened. My shirt's ripped. He's bit me. I'm scratched. And I hope you hear what I'm saying. That sometimes we look at other people. And incidentally, this probably was all my fault because out of my ignorance, I did not know. When you take a cat to the vet, you take them in a carrier. (laughs) I now know that. And that relieves 25,000 of you from telling me that at the door. But listen to me. We see people do things and sometimes we say, you can't carry a cat. And we didn't see somebody hurt them. And the one who hurt them, we're mad at them. You hurt him. But something frightened them. 
And see, if we're going to have a real heart like God's heart, we can't be the self-righteous that I just can't believe anybody would ever do that. I just can't believe people act that way. I just say, you know, if God were God in their life like he is in my life. And we've got a mission if we're really going to glorify God. We're going to have to soften up our hearts. There's going to have to be something that's going to happen on the inside of us. And you know what? That was a huge visual lesson for me because suddenly now I who had judged my son and judged the cat found myself with both of their conditions. And if it were not for the grace of God in our lives, where would we be? And you've got family members and you've got neighbors and you've got co-workers and you've got friends. And we sit back and we say, you can't even carry a cat. Can't even keep it together. <laughs> what is your deal? And I'm going to tell you something. That is messed up. And that leads us to, I'm a better Christian. Which is not the end result. It's not the thing we have to, well, I want to have a little hallelujah party and you prophesy and I'll sing and then we'll both do this. And if you like that, that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. But it is certainly not the purpose. Now, let me move on. Luke 15, there are three parables. Parable of the lost sheep. Parable of the lost coin. Parable of the prodigal or the lost son. Shepherd had a hundred sheep. One of them got lost. I don't know how he got lost. I don't think he rebelled. I think he wandered. I think he got distracted. But it said he left the 99. He went out and he found the one. A widow had 10 coins. She lost one. They're precious. They're valuable. She needed them. And she lit up the house and swept the house so she could find that missing one. The lost one. Lost. And then there's the prodigal son. Although scripture doesn't say it, I believe that every day that father stood at the end of the driveway and looked for him. Maybe today. Maybe today we'll find him. Maybe today he'll come home. In all three parables, three things happen. Number one, something's lost. Number two, the thing that was lost matters greatly to somebody. Don't miss that. The thing that was lost matters greatly to somebody. And here's the cool part. And in all three parables, the thing that was lost gets found. And it gets found by the one to whom it mattered the most. And we have family and we have friends and we have co-workers and we have neighbors and we have loved ones. It's got to start mattering. Y'all hear me? It's got to start mattering on the inside. It should matter greatly to us. The sheep, the coin, the son, that's people. The shepherd, the widow, the father, that's God. And God is intentionally not passive. He's active. He's intentional. And I'm telling you, I can, I can sense it just turning up. God is getting more active and more intentional. And not passive, but passionate about that which is lost. That's why he, by the spirit, is igniting this within my heart and within your heart. That we've got to seek and save that which is lost and not just be about the business of being better Christians. And lose entirely what the whole thing was for. And his mission is to seek and to save that which was lost. And his mission is our mission. His mission is our mission. Say it. His mission is our mission. And we're to be intentional and we're to be active. 
And none of this even makes sense. Listen, this mandate does not even make sense without another main thing that I want to talk about just for a moment. First Corinthians chapter 13 says this. It says, I could speak with the tongues of men and angels. I could give my body to be burned. I could give all my goods to the poor. I could prophesy. I could understand all mysteries. I could have such faith that I could move mountains. But if I don't have, insert main thing, if I don't have love, it's noisy, nothingless, nothing, zilch, waste. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, now, now abide faith, hope, and love, these three. But the greatest, the main thing is what? Is love. It's love. Now, this is what I'm going to ask you to do. And I, I did this. And I've tangibly, I know that God has done something. Earlier this week, I asked God to just baptize me in a fresh way with his love. To make me more aware of his love and his love for me and his love to me and the love that he wants to pour through me. Don't, don't check out on me yet. And ask him to fill me and to flow through me and to affect me. I want to be affected. I don't want to just know something else. I don't want to have just seen something else or yes. I want to be affected. And I asked him to do that to me so that it would affect my heart and my thoughts and my eyes. So that when I look at other people, I'm not just can't care a cat. Can't keep your life together. What's your deal? But instead I could see, you know what? They might be lost. Who hurt them? And who hurt whoever hurt them? And they're on the wrong path or they're in the wrong place or they can't see. They're in a dark place. They can't, they can't see. And you know what needs to happen? The love of God needs to happen. The love of God needs to happen. I got to have it. You got to have the love of God. We cannot be content. I'm irritated. It's a holy irritation that this whole thing would just end up about us being better Christians. You want to be a better Christian, then get bent on this. I'm going to glorify God by doing the work that he gave me to do. And the work he gave me to do is the work he gave Jesus to do. And he sent Jesus and Jesus is sending us. And he said he would be with us and he would help us and he would set it all up. Let him baptize us fresh with his love. So that's in our hearts, it's in our minds and it comes through our eyes. So we start looking at people a little bit different. Amen. That we, just as God so loved the world, I want to so love the world. I got neighbors that are hurting. I got family that's hurting, lost. I run into people all the time, they're undone. And what are we going to do? Cocoon ourselves, move quickly, children. And keep ourselves unspotted from the world? Yes. But we are salt and we are light. And if we're really going to glorify God, we're going to make a difference by being carriers. And this is the deal. Carriers of his love so that we too would so love the world. John 3.17 says this. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world to say he can't carry a cat. 
didn't send his son to the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. I'm going to end with this. Jesus defeated Satan. He did it on the cross, but do you know what that really was? It was the demonstration of his love. Which leads me to just this one thought, and then I'm going to stop. Every time you and I actively, on purpose, demonstrate love, we defeat the devil. And we're all about that. Amen. Did you get anything at all out of this?